0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is The Jeff Wagner Show.
1: Have we gotten to this point where people wake up every morning looking for something to be offended about? I live in this place called the real world, and I understand what is going to happen. Her story is, I was trying to scare him away. At the same time, she shot him point blank in the face. <laughs> okay, that's not exactly a warning shot. The Accurate Mortgage
0: Talking and text line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. Coming up next, Squirrel, And now, WTMJ's
1: Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Okay, Eric Bilstead, before you leave, all right, where did this guy go wrong? You know, a lot of times, that there's people that they are sitting in prison and they're just churning over their acts, going, "Gosh, what, where did I go wrong? What what was the mistake I made?" And mm-hmm. as a former prosecutor, I often describe this. Sometimes you get really, really clever criminals, and they're able to get away with stuff and get away with stuff. And as a prosecutor you, and investigators, you got to work really hard to try to catch them. And then there is what we call the low hanging fruit. <laughs> all right, mm-hmm. sure. all right. So here here is here is my low hanging fruit story of of the day. Couple weeks ago, December seventeenth, there was a fire. At the Motel 6 in Glendale on Port Washington Road, if you can picture this, it's just a little bit, if people know where like Cop's Custard is, it's just, it's a Motel 6, it's just a little bit north of Cop's Custard.
0: Right there near Bayshore Mall.
1: Right, just a little bit south of Bayshore, right. Okay, there's, um, there's on the other side of the street, there's a McDonald's, there's also a Walgreens store, which becomes relevant in just a little bit. Okay, so so here's the deal. Fire breaks out. In a maintenance closet, Monday, December seventeenth, about ten fourteen a.m. All right. So here's, and they've they have now charged the seventy three year old general manager of the hotel with this. So here's what the criminal complaint says. According to the criminal complaint, ten fourteen a.m. on December seventeenth, motel security video shows the um shows the guy. This would be the general manager. So they got a security video. It shows him going into this third floor maintenance closet. So they got the security video, shows him going into the maintenance closet. He then leaves the maintenance closet 20 minutes later. Okay. The video then shows him getting to his car, driving across the street to the Walgreens. Okay. He purchases a lighter. (laughs) He buys a lighter at the Walgreens. He then, they say 1046, investigators say the surveillance show him drive back to the motel. Mm -hmm. And then mysteriously, the security security video stops recording (laughs) so that the cameras now are turned off. 10.59, 13 minutes later, the Motel 6 security video resumes and smoke can be seen coming from the third floor, the the maintenance closet. Okay, so the fire department gets there. They evacuate the staff, et cetera, et cetera. Thankfully, nobody is is injured in this. So the investigators go to the the general manager and they say, hey, what's going on here? You know, we've got you going over the Walgreens. He says he he denies going to the Walgreens. Denies going to the Walgreens, denies <laughs> mm, buying the lighter. Okay. However, authorities then pull out a receipt showing not only that he purchased the lighter, but he used a credit card to purchase <laughs> the lighter. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Uh, investigation then revealed that there was a dispute between the president of the investors that own the building and him over replacing the fire doors at the motel. The criminal complaint says the guy made threats, that if the president of the investors didn't offer, uh, didn't authorize hundreds of thousands of dollars for a contractor, the fire department would shut down Motel 6. Uh, 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 uh. An employee inside the motel told authorities when the fire alarm sounded, the guy immediately told everyone it was a false alarm and tried to turn it off. Um, let's see, another employee said they heard the guy over the phone say, I bet they're going to have to get it done now. <laughs> I, okay, I, I mean, I don't exactly know where to start with this, but if I was giving advice, you know, this free legal advice from a recovering prosecutor here, if you're planning an arson, maybe bring the lighter from home, you know, sure, just, just as right, a starting yeah, point, yeah. or if, if you find that you don't haven't brought that light, and I'm not encouraging people to burn buildings down, believe me, I, it, but it's just like he went across the Walgreens, and, and not only did he buy the lighter, he used a credit card to pay for the lighter. Now I, we're laughing because nobody was injured in this, and it, it, from the perspective of a prosecutor, too. Sometimes you know you, you've got tough cases, and then you've got cases like this. The I mean, slam dunks. Well, well, exactly. He's in the he's in the maintenance closet. He goes across the street. He buys a lighter. He comes back. He turns off the security video, and 13 minutes later, the thing's on fire. Huh? Circumstantial, but perhaps overwhelming. That is what we in the prosecution business call low-hanging fruit, and it was playing out in, in Glendale. Huh. And thankfully, I mean, the, the nice part, of the, the good part of the story is that nobody was injured. But my gosh, my gosh. Hey, as a follow-up to something we talked a little bit about yesterday, and, and this is not a surprise. I think um, after you had this, this plane that crashed shortly after takeoff from Tehran the the other night, a couple hours after... Iran sent those missiles and blew up the hangar at the, the U.S. base. Um, and initially some people were saying, okay, is this another repeat of, of Boeing's problems? And and of course, this particular plane, a Boeing 737, was not one of those planes that had had the problems. This was not a, a Boeing 737 MAX. It had just been inspected two days before the plane crash, which killed what, 170-some people and things like that. It, it It did not look like a mechanical failure problem. It did not look like a pilot error problem. And there was a lot of speculation early on that this this plane was shot out of the sky. And now more and more evidence, and it's tough to know definitively because Iran at this point in time isn't cooperating with investigators, but more and more evidence is starting to emerge, and I guess it's not a surprise that this plane was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. I think the prevailing theory is that Iran had launched these various missiles targeted at some of the U.S. bases that ended up like taking out the hangar or whatever that was, and then... A couple hours later, you have this plane. Now, it's a commercial plane, and the working theory is that the people um, in Iran who control these missiles got kind of trigger happy and mistook a commercial aircraft. That was flying out of Tehran for I don't know maybe a U.S. bomber or something that was launching a retaliatory attack, and so they ended up shooting this down. Now we don't know for sure, and I don't know at what point in time it's ever going to be confirmed that the Iranian the Iranian talking point at this point in time says, "Oh, we we think that the engine caught on fire and the plane was trying to return." That does not appear to be consistent with the facts. But um, do, do I think that Iran Iran intentionally tried to shoot down this passenger aircraft? No, no. I, I think what happened, and this is what they refer to a lot of times as the fog of war. What ended up happening was um, they just they made a mistake. And they couldn't apparently tell the difference between a U.S. bomber and a commercial aircraft. And what they did is they shut down the commercial aircraft. Whether they're willing to step up and acknowledge that, that is a different story. When we come back, all right, we've now had a couple days to digest what happened overseas. There's a poll out. Well, the headline of the poll says that uh, the killing of this terrorist made the U.S. less safe. We will discuss. Stick around. You're listening to Jeff Wagner
0: on WTMJ.
1: So, very glad to have you with us. All right. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. New poll out today, says that Americans, by a margin of more than two to one, say the killing of Iranian General Qasim Soleimani made the United States less safe. A majority of those surveyed, 52 to 34, called President Trump's behavior with Iran reckless. Right? Interestingly, Wall Street Journal today has an editorial, Tehran's retaliation, Trump's reply, Maybe the apocalypse isn't upon us after all. The lesson after Iran's missile strike on US bases in Iraq early Wednesday is that deterrence seems to be working. More than a dozen ballistic missiles hit two U.S. bases in northern and western Iraq, but no Americans or Iraqis were killed in the attack. Iraq says Iran gave advance warning, so U.S. and Iraqi troops had time to disperse or seek shelter. Iran has made advances in missile targeting, as we learned, in the attack, yet this time the missiles seem not to have been precise All of this suggests that Iran tried to make a show of hitting back at the U.S. for the killing of their terror chief while trying to avoid killing Americans. All right. Our number, again, 855-616-1620. That's the Akinet Mortgage talk and text line. Things, I understand, in the immediate aftermath of these attacks, the question was, all right, are we looking at World War III? Now, a couple days later... Given the attacks, given the response, it appears everybody has stepped back from the brink. President Trump has sent a message indicating that, you know, he's done with appeasement. But let's tee this up. All right. Has this killing made the U.S. less safe? And was this reckless? Was this reckless? My answer is, no, it hasn't made the U.S. less safe. And, I mean, reckless... Reckless like a fox would be my, my guess here. What you have is after years of appeasement, you have the U.S. taking a defined military action which took out a major target, somebody responsible for the deaths of lots of Americans and lots of Israelis over the years. We've made a statement. The response by Iran at this point in time has been to blow up an aircraft hangar after giving us advance notice that was happening. And now everybody stepped back. All right, how, how is that reckless, and how does that make things more dangerous? If anything, the president has now sent this message saying that he is willing to use appropriate military force when he feels it is appropriate. All right. Reckless? More dangerous? Poll says yes. What do you think? Let's start with Bernie in Chicago. Hi, Bernie.
2: Hey, good, go.
1: Go we, pack go. We root
2: for the Bears. Uh, no, we root for the Packers because we don't have a team here in Chicago.
1: <laughs> what do you, is that fair? That, that's well. Okay. I'm. Not, I don't want to go down that route. But go pack go. What do you think about this? Is it more? Yeah. Is the world more reckless? Uh, I
2: think, what's the poll size? Why don't you tell us how many people were in the poll? Sixteen hundred. fair? Because what they talked to twenty people or two hundred or 20,000? 1,005 adults. Okay, and that's supposed to represent three hundred and twenty million of us. I don't think so. Well, I also because I know if you talk to people in Midtown Manhattan, which is ninety five percent Democrat, and I say Democrat, they're going to say that. But let's talk to the whole nation as a whole, and I guarantee you, it's more than thirty four percent.
1: Well, I would see Bernie, and here here is the other thing. I I think you have to look at the timing of the poll. I, I think. All right. All this plays out over. OK, Friday, you you have the the missile attack launched by the president. And, and I look, I, I get it over the weekend. There's all this hand wringing. What's going to happen? You know, wh- where are we going to see what is the escalation going to be? So if you ask people, all right, based on on just the knowledge that gee, we, this happened on Friday and Iran says that they're going to retaliate or whatever. OK, maybe you come up with the idea that, well, okay, the world might be a little bit more dangerous. But now having the benefit of seeing what's played out over the course of the last four, five, six days, we, we understand at least short-term what's happened. We took out the terrorist leader, Iran in a faction of sa- saber-rattling told us that they were going to blow up an aircraft hangar. They blew up an aircraft hangar, and now everybody stepped back. So I, I think, all right, maybe if this opinion and this concern was justified on last Friday, maybe if it was justified on last Saturday, events now show that it's actually, I think, worked out quite well and we're sending this message that appeasement is not a strategy. Jeff, uh, here's some text. No way it is reckless. Good for Trump. We've been at war with Iran for decades. Um, let's see. Uh, Jeff, no doubt we are more safe without the general. He was responsible for not only killing U.S. citizens, but his own people. There are many people in Iran who is glad that uh, he is gone. They will have a moment of pause before, before doing something else also very very smart move to take him out. Okay, I see I I agree with that. We live in a dangerous world. There's no question about it. But you have rogue nations that make this world a more dangerous place. Iran is a rogue nation. And what's been going on over the last several years and it's not just during the Trump administration, it was during the obama years it was doing the during the bush years as well what you've had is you've had a rogue nation that was pushing boundaries whether it was capturing tankers going through the oil uh, of the straits of hormuz or whether it was doing other acts of of aggression to foment you know disruption you know what Iran has been a rogue nation, and we've continued to draw the line, and we'd say, okay, don't cross this, don't do this, or there's going to be retaliation, and we've never, in any sort of meaningful fashion, retaliated using military force. Now, I understand there's been missile strikes from time to time, but we've never targeted some of the people that were responsible for this. We have now sent a message that, all right, we're willing to do that if you continue in this fashion appeasement does not work. Now, I'm not in favor of starting World War III. I think the president's response was measured. I I think it was measured to this. And I will tell you, I sincerely believe that if this had been something that Barack Obama had done, a number of the people who are criticizing President Trump for this would have been praising President Obama for doing exactly the same thing. This is a situation where reckless Don't know. Risky? Perhaps. Perhaps it was risky. But let's look at how this has played out. And isn't the world a safer place today because this terrorist is gone, number one? And number two, we've sent a message to Iran that if you continue to act in the fashion you're acting, well, what's going to happen is there's going to be consequences. Maybe it'll make them think twice before they... Capture a tanker or do something along those lines. This is Jeff Wagner.
0: You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: All right. If you bail, are you a weather weenie? So here, here's the scenario I want to discuss with you, and this actually impacts on some some people I know. But let's let's use Eric Bilstat as just an example for the, this point. All right. The. The forecast for Friday and Saturday is, is crummy. And the forecast in Chicago for Friday and Saturday is probably even worse than it is in, in Milwaukee. Forecast, and again, we're, we're sitting here, it's Thursday afternoon, stuff can change, but the the weather models have been kind of coalescing. What the weather folks say, Friday evening in Chicago and overnight, it's gonna rain like hell. And then that rain is going to change over to heavy, wet snow, six inches up to a foot, right? The forecast for us is that on Friday, we're gonna get a little bit of snow and maybe some freezing rain, and then what's going to happen is that on, on Saturday, starting in the afternoon, it's going to snow like heck. I mean, and they're, they're saying, you know, six inches to 11 inches. So it's going to really come down. That's the, you know, that's the, the whole idea. Now, they it, it could be completely wrong. You know, we, we've seen bust forecasts and things like that. So here's the scenario. Eric Bilstadt, his wife and his kids, let's say that they have planned to just, to spend the day in Chicago on Saturday. They they don't have theater tickets or anything like that. It's just, hey, we're going to go down. Maybe we're going to catch a museum or something like that. We're going to do a little bit of shopping. We're going to go down. So the plan is we're going to hop on that that morning train to Chicago. We're going to go down to Chicago. We're going to spend the day in Chicago, have dinner, and then we're going to come back about on that 8 o'clock train or something like this. Now, the forecast suggests that, again, driving rain, heavy wind and then train translating into snow and then when you get back up here really heavy snow here is my question we don't know whether that's going to happen or not but if you're sitting here on thursday all right do do you go ahead do you cancel your plans you say you know it's not like i've got uh, tickets to a bulls game or it's not like i've got tickets to see hamilton it's something that you can do any weekend do you do you go down do you do it Do you say, look, I'm not going to be intimidated by the weather. This is, you know, we're in the Midwest. We're hardy. You know, we're we're just going to go down there. Or do you say, you know, I, I can do this any weekend. There's nothing magic about this one. And candidly, walking around Chicago when it's pouring rain and snowing is probably not going to be that much fun anyways. Do you go ahead with your plans or do you reschedule? Now, I find this interesting because I'm one of these guys who frequently, you know, criticizes people for changing their plans way in advance when you get these forecasts of bad weather. And I know people, for example, in the hospitality industry always hate it when we say, don't go out because it's going to snow, and then you get a little bit of snow. But if you had plans, that's your idea for the weekend. Do you cancel or do you just go ahead? Or do you wait until, say, Saturday morning to decide? 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Do you go or not go? Do you change plans in advance because of a weather forecast that's still 36 to 48 hours out? What would you do? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on if you want to join us. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Do you go ahead and go, or do you just say, look, I I can do this any weekend. There's nothing magic about Saturday. We discuss. If you're on the line, please hold on.
0: Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: We're back. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Kathy and Racine. Hi, Kathy. Good afternoon. Okay, so the forecast says it's going to be really, really crummy. Do you go ahead with the trip, or do you say, hey, I can do this any weekend?
3: I may take the trip, but if I'm traveling with kids or grandkids, well, my own kids are adults. Right. If I travel with children or grandkids or great-grands, we will on better judgment and stay put I'm not gonna put them in jeopardy because I can trust my driving but nobody else's
1: okay well what if you were gonna take uh like say take the train it's just, it's like a it's like a day trip you're gonna pick up the the train outside of you know Sturtevant or something you're going to go to Sturdivant, pick up the train would you just for a, a day trip to Chicago would you change your thoughts then
4: oh heck yeah
5: Okay.
1: So if it's a train, you're going. Train
5: trips are wonderful.
1: Okay, got it. All right. Thanks for calling. No, that, I mean, that, that, that's the thing. Okay, let's see. Um, 855-616-1620. That's the academic mortgage talk in Texas. Yeah, you're not talking about driving. Now, you're talking about, obviously, driving to the train station and then driving home from the train station. But, yeah, you're this is the train down to Chicago. Um, okay, Jeff, the trip to Chicago could be done any weekend. I personally would rather walk around Chicago when the weather was warmer, on the other hand, to each their own. Jeff, we were just talking about this at work. We used to never let the weather dictate our plans. Now everybody's afraid of weather. Don't change plans. There's no such thing as bad weather just inappropriate clothing (laughs) dress appropriately well that's i I mean i guess i guess that's true but at the same time from the the spot of the overall experience if you were for my example going to chicago and you're going to be walking around the streets and and doing shopping and going to museums or whatever you're going to be doing it's probably a little more pleasant if you're doing that when it's I don't know, not 30 mile an hour winds and howling rain, but that's it. Jeff, the weather forecasts are stated in dramatic fashion and are always, um, stormageddon and most usually, usually wrong. Don't cancel plans based on the weather forecasts. Okay. Now, see, it's, it's interesting because, for example, on Sunday, I got tickets to the Green Bay game. Now I'm going up on a, on a bus, but I've, I've been watching that. I mean, if, if you had this forecast, and it was for sunday would that mean i wouldn't go to the game no i mean i'm going to the game but of course then i have this event i've got the tickets so my intention is to go to the event this is sort of different on the other hand if it was just hey we were planning to go up to green bay and and tour the packers hall of fame and hang around and there wasn't a game going on on saturday might be different um Jeff, if it was truly an optional leisure activity, I'd cancel and stay home, partially because I'd need to deal with clearing my local properties. I'd rather be here to properly and promptly, most conveniently do that. Jeff, the weather in Wisconsin is so volatile. Wait 10 minutes and the forecast will change. We have plans for Saturday and we'll make a change, if necessary, Saturday morning. See, that's... That's kind of where I come down on this, and that's what I was suggesting to the person I was talking about the, this with. I It looks like this storm is, is going to hit. I mean, it looks like the storm is going to hit, but, I mean, things could, in fact, change. And so I think would I make the decision, and, again, especially since it's not like you have hotel reservations. It's not like you've got theater tickets. Would, would I say today, well, we're definitively not going to go on Saturday? No, I, I wouldn't. Would I watch the weather and then if, I don't know, tomorrow evening it looks like, well, this is really happening and it's pouring rain and it's going to be heavy snow and it's going to be a pain in the butt to wander around in downtown Chicago and it's going to be perhaps a little difficult or maybe dangerous on Saturday night to try to get home from the train station? If that was the dynamic, maybe then I'd decide... All right, maybe it's best to pick a different time. So my advice would be kind of wait and see. Lucy on the west side. Lucy, you're on WTMJ.
3: Hi. I'm ashamed to say it. I've turned into a (laughs) fuddy-duddy.
1: You're a weatherman. I wouldn't
3: I wouldn't wouldn't go because it's the getting back. The train doesn't always go straight through if there's really, really bad weather or a delay on the tracks. The roads between here and Chicago are even in the best of times have turned into a nightmare because of the construction project. Then when you get back to Milwaukee, if this forecast is accurate, and I know that's a big if, right. you got to contend with the city streets right. getting home. It's the city streets. And then when you get home, say at 2 in the morning or midnight, it will have been snowing and you've got to face, if you if you have a walk, to shovel, or a yep. driveway, what the heck are you going to do about getting your car up and getting you safely in the house. Maybe you can shovel the next day, but it just sounds like a nightmare for a couple of hours
1: of yeah. fun. Yeah, that right. Well that's I mean, and that is the variable. Plus you raise the question, I mean, sometimes they do cancel the trains in bad weather and stuff like that. So I mean if it does if it does hit badly and you're planning on coming back on that eight o'clock train, well you might end up spending the night in Chicago or, or whatever. Yeah. I, in the train station. Uh, in yeah. the train station. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: I've done that. Uh yeah. Okay. I've, I've never thanks for God, I've never spent the night in a train station. I have I've spent the night in bus stations and I've certainly spent the night in airports. Yeah, I guess I I would when I was discussing this with somebody I was saying, you know, I I I would be reluctant. I look, I'm one of these guys that argues you don't cancel stuff based on predictions of the weather. But you you watch the weather, you watch and you wait and you see what's going to happen and then if it does appear that it's happening and and you don't have to go out, well, then I say okay, maybe maybe you you don't have to go out. So if if by tomorrow afternoon they're saying, yeah, we've got this bullseye on ourselves and this is what the scenario is going to be, and yes, it's going to be miserable. The other thing is, I mean, from an enjoyment perspective, I, I don't want to be walking around when it's pouring rain and then it's going to change over to heavy snow. That's just no fun for me. Other people are perhaps more adventurous. We will see how this forecast pans out. This is Jeff Wagner.
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is The Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. This is a bizarre story that just continues to get more and more b- bizarre. Um, Eric said I was mentioning before we went into your news, that this t- Tuesday night, there's a story out of Wawatosa about seven thirty at night seventy second and West State Street. There was a guy that that stepped in front of a train um and I, I just and, and originally they, they weren't sure what's happened. This has been that a couple blocks away from this, there was a situation where there's an 11 year old boy that was hit by a train a few years ago. But he had like headphones on and, mm-hmm. and had gone through this. In this particular case, they 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 think it was intentional that he and I I, I was just remarking I, I just. I, I cannot imagine stepping in front of a train what that must be like it's just oh my gosh I, I mean oh. I, I just but but anyhow so that that was the bizarre story but now the journal Sentinel has a story posted online it's even more bizarre the guy the, the man who killed himself and that's the theory that they are working under that he was he had been charged back in 1987 with murdering his wife and his two small children. He had been found guilty uh, by reason of mental disease. So, um, you know, insane. That's the insanity defense. Now, they, they've changed it over the years, but he was found insane. He spent 16 years in a state mental hospital and then apparently was able to convince a judge that he was well enough to return to the community so sometime around 2003 he was you know released back into the community apparently he was working it as a volunteer at a at a, at a church facility and things like and that beloved yeah at that church now facility. now after he was released in 2003 his release was briefly revoked in 2010 when he was accused of slapping a woman and pulling her hair and showing her a knife so he went back in, and then they released him again in March of 2011. But, yeah, he he was a volunteer at one of these the churches downtown mm-hmm, and stuff, and mm-hmm. um, they, they thought he had gotten past it. I'm just I, – I, I don't know what else to say other than – I obviously, he wasn't able to shake his demons. Right. And right. it's just – But it's you almost had to figure that there was something else going on when you when you hear somebody steps in front of a a train. And when when this story first came out, there were some people saying, "Okay, well, do we need to increase train safety? And is this another situation where quite candidly, you know, sometimes these these train crossings need to be better marked. And but this particular situation, I think they I'm pretty sure they had gates and all And this. the, The reality is. You're never going to be able to protect against this. But, you know, this is it's a tragic story and a a tragic end um, to just a horrific story for the last several decades. So that's the update on this. All right. Let us switch gears right now in this country. Student loan debt. That is the people who owe money for college or law school or med school or whatever there are about 44 million people who owe money some people owe a little bit of money some people owe a lot of money collectively those 44 million people owe 1.6 trillion dollars in student loan debt 1.6 trillion dollars And as we talk about when we discuss various things on this program, that student loan debt is limiting the ability of people who are in debt to buy houses. Maybe it's causing them to delay decisions like getting married and having families, all those different things. It's got people, you know, living in mom and dad's basement because, you know, they they can't afford rent on apartments and things like that. Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, two of the people who want to be president, they are very, very clear. What they want to do is they want to forgive, cancel all of that $1. $1.6 $1. $1. 6 trillion in student debt. All of it should be canceled. We're going to wipe it off the books. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. They want to wipe the student loan debt off the books. I understand why this would have an appeal for anybody that has debt about anything, whether it's credit card debt, whether it's mortgage debt or whatever. Wouldn't you love to wake up and mysteriously this obligation has gone away? Having said that, I think this is a disastrous idea. What do you think? 855-616-1620, that's the acunate mortgage talk and text line. Should we erase all the student debt that is out there? Now, how do you erase it? Well, I mean, if it's, I guess, government loans, theoretically, you just say, okay, we're, we're not going to collect. If it's private loans... Well, you couldn't actually tell the private bank, for example, that you know you can't you know collect, you'd presumably have to pay it off. $1.6 trillion to give everybody a fresh start. I'm against it. I'll explain why, but what do you think? If you're on the line, please hold on. If you want to join us, 616 six one six-1620. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Back with your calls in just a moment.
0: Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. <laughs>
1: 855 616 1620. That's the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and others say we've got 1.6 T in trillion dollars in student debts. It is being it's crippling the ability of people who have this debt to get on with their lives. We should forgive it. We should walk away from it. We should have the taxpayers essentially eat those costs. Is this a good idea? Let's start with Gary and O'Connor Walk. Hi, Gary.
2: Hi, how are you doing? Good. What do you think? Well, I think everybody's taking these loans out to try and better themselves. I don't think most of them are looking for a free handout, but I think what the government could do is eliminate the interest on all of it so that these people have a chance to actually eventually pay it off. And if you want to go a little further, I'd say cut it. Whatever their loan is, take 25% off and then set up a structure so that give them the loan interest-free for 10 years, pay it off, so that they know there's a light at the end of the tunnel.
1: Okay, let me ask you this. What about the people who have paid off their student debt. What about the the, the person that, that borrowed, I don't know, fifty thousand bucks and you know, paid it off over a course of, of ten years and just just a couple months ago they paid it off. Should they get should they get a portion of their loan back?
2: I don't know. That's a tough one. That that that's the hard part with this, Jeff that everybody who already did this They did. They held up their end of the
1: responsibility. No, thanks. No, thanks. See, that that's I mean, I I guess that that is that is my question. If you focus on, all right, people that have active student debt now, what about what about the people who, again, have have paid off their, their student loans? Um, and, and maybe, and we don't even have to talk about people, you know, who graduated in the '70s. I mean, what about people who, over the course of the last couple years, they're the ones that paid off their their loans. They lived up to their obligation, and, and yeah, maybe they had to live in mom's basement for a few years, and maybe they had to delay getting on with their life. All right, do we say to them, okay, well, well you're you're out of luck. You've already paid it off. Where do you end up drawing the line? Let's talk to Dan in Port Washington. Hi, Dan. Hi, Jeff, how are you? Good. What do you think?
4: Okay, uh, I think they should not do it uh, because once they do this, it'll become a more of a cascading effect for debt forgiveness or what's called a jubilee. Um, I believe I've actually presented to a couple senators now to move it forward to, number one, do bankruptcy law revision to say to allow those in very desperate need to go ahead and file for bankruptcy to eliminate it. Oh, by the way, they'll have a 10-year penalty for doing so. And so they will be reminded for 10 years what they just did. And then the second thing is I want to uh, have a new regular quote, 401S. That stands for student loan. Here we go. Everybody's fighting for good employees. Mm-hmm. How about those employees with debt? So my suggestion is any employer on a voluntary basis can help a student in the first five years of employment to go dollar for dollar pre-tax to pay off the student loan with the provision. If they're still working there, that amount of money they were putting in to pay off the loan would go into immediately 401k. Why were creatures of habits? So you paid off of a bad debt. You're able to save. Get people from debt to savings. Mm-hmm. 401s and total revenue code revision and bankruptcy law revision. And I've spoken like the Dewey Sobel and others. <laughs> We've got to get off a fat butt. And Dewey actually says, I like your idea because it's voluntary, and all private employers are fighting for good employees. So yeah, those I had, are my two ideas.
1: Yeah, Dan, and I, I, gotta, I gotta think through the, the, the student loan thing. And look, don't get me wrong on this, because I recognize that this is, I recognize this is a problem, and there's, there, there's a lot of blame to go around on this, including colleges that have raised fees and tuition costs, you know, going through the roof, and people who just, I don't think, fully realized, hey, this is great, I want to go to college, so I'm going to borrow this money without really recognizing that there was going to be a day of reckoning at some point in time. I think we have to do a lot to try to get college costs under control. Believe me, I I understand that, and to try to make college more affordable. But simply saying, we're going to take $1.6 trillion, and we're going to wipe it off the books, first of all, where is that money going to come from? That means you are going to be increasing taxes on other people, and that's you know what Elizabeth Warren talks about being like the the evil rich, those sort of folks. We 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 can tax these other people, but. But what a, these are choices that you make, and these are choices that people have in fact made. Now, I do like the idea of perhaps capping, you know, interest and things like that, but this idea of saying, you know, you made a commitment, you promised that you were going to pay this stuff back, and now we're just going to walk away from it, I don't believe that that's right. Hey, by the way, then what do you say to the people who made the decision, for example, I don't know, five or six years ago, I got out of high school and I decided that I didn't want to go into debt. So what I was going to do is I worked. I wanted to go to college. So rather than borrow money to go to college, I worked three jobs and I did all this type of stuff. And and now you're telling me that if I had simply taken the easier route and borrowed a bunch of money, um, now you're going to pick up the tab for that. That would have been the choice. How is that fair to that person? Or what about the people that made the decision that, hey, I can't afford to go to college? I don't want to go into debt, so I, I'm I'm not going to, I don't know, I'm not going to go and study, you know, try to get a four-year degree in computer programming or whatever. I, I'm going to get some other sort of, of job. Do Are those folks entitled for some sort of compensation? Scott in Milwaukee. Scott, you're on WTMJ. Hey,
2: Jeff. Thanks for taking the call. You know, it's a slippery slope, and – I believe an accountability factor must be put into play here. If there is going, you know, if, if you're going to forgive this, you don't forgive it, you discharge it, you bring it back and be able to discharge it in bankruptcy to add that accountability to it. But you also need to have a two way accountability. When the government took over student loans in 2006, they were just Given money away left and right, and because of that, the free market you know, or the public market took over with regards to tuition, right. and the, the 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 institutions raised tuition like crazy because yep. kids were getting free money. Right, that accountability also ha- that's a portion of that accountability that discharge that, that's being taken off. Also needs to fall on those institutions yeah as well. I, I know I,
1: I, and i could not I could not agree with you more i mean that that's it, it's been kind of the perfect storm. For all of for all of this, I mean, here's another fl- here's another problem too. I mean, one of our texters makes the point. I don't agree with paying off college debt. What about those who have abused taking classes and didn't have to pay as long as they were continuing a college education? See that that's another factor that's out there as well. If we're essentially going to say this is going to be free, or you're not going to be accountable, what about the people who? I don't know, went to college for a couple of years, didn't get a degree, didn't work really hard. Now, I understand that that's not everybody, but that's some people. And, and now the idea is, okay, well, we're, we're going to give you essentially a, a free ride. No, I I think there's a lot of blame to go around. And throwing around the money and the ideas, there's not going to be accountability. I, I understand you can blame the you can blame the federal government for making the loans too easy. You can blame the colleges for not being honest with people about what the job market, for example, is going to look like when when you get out of school, you know it's going to cost you you know eighty thousand dollars, and you're going into a field where there's there's not going to be any jobs. I I think that's a valid concern. Look, I see that with with the law. The truth is. I mean, can good lawyers always make money? Yes, good lawyers can always make money. But the legal market is brutal nowadays. It's just absolutely brutal. And you have people who are graduating from law school and you combine their undergraduate debt and they're looking at a hundred thousand dollars, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and they're coming out into a brutal job market. Well, it's gonna be okay for some, but for a lot of people they're gonna be underwater. And I fault the law schools for not sitting down and being honest with people about hey look, here's the reality of what you're going to be getting into and maybe you want to think about it before you you borrow you know thirty thousand dollars a year for the next three years. Think about how long it's going to take you to pay that off. So all those are factors that are out there. This is a problem, but I don't think you say okay. This one point six trillion dollars in debt that you you agree to that we're just going to now walk away and we're going to erase ideas moving forward to stop other people, new generations from getting into the same mess. I'm perfectly open for that.
0: Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: I love the planet as well as the next guy, but I'm not hopping on this new trend. You know, we all talk about, okay, we, we've, we've, we've got to deal with global warming, and we have all this climate change and all, and, and, and that's all well and good. And the question I always ask is, okay, what, what are people, what are you going to do about it? I mean, it, it's fine, and look, I recognize I'm not one of these climate change deniers. There are more people now than ever. You have a number of countries that are becoming more industrialized, and as a result of that, yes, I, I mean, I think, Globally, a carbon footprint is, is increasing. So I, I accept that as a notion, but my question then is: Okay, what what are people going to do about this? And are you willing to change your your lifestyle? I, I've been I've made a point of this. I've been I've been watching over over the Christmas break, and I'm winding down. I've been watching uh binge watching all the T V the C V the shows of the West Wing, right? The the old political drama. And I've I've got about three more episodes to go. I'll probably finish it up tonight. But in the last episode, the last season, there's a presidential race and they're just showing the candidates for president. And they're they're flying all over. And they're on these planes and they're going back and forth. And okay, we're in Houston now and we're going to change gears. Now we're going to be in Los Angeles and then we're going to fly back across to Washington. Spending all this time on planes flying all over. And, and that, that's all well and good, and it's a convenience, and it gets where you want to be, but it really increases your carbon footprint. So one of the trends that has been developing is what they call train boasting, which is where people make the decision that they're not going to fly as much. Because air travel, I mean, commercial aviation accounts for about 2.4% of global carbon emissions, and they expect that, however, to grow consistently. And so as a result, what they're saying is moving forward. They expect the number of passengers is going to dramatically increase, and they think in the next ten or years, fifteen years, aviation could account for up to a quarter of the global carbon budget. So this is something that it's starting it's starting in pockets in Europe. Now, train travel is easier in Europe than flying, because you know you you have but the, than it is in the United States because you have a, a more integrated train line and things like that, and the carbon emissions if you take the train, are dramatically lower than the carbon emissions if you fly. For example, um, I'm looking at this story where you had somebody who was considering, you know, they had to go from Stockholm to Copenhagen. And the choice was, do you fly or do you take the train? And they ended up deciding, okay, we're going to take the train. And as a result of doing this, they, they said the carbon footprint was about about 600 pounds less carbon emitted than if they had taken the flight. All right. Fine. So the, the idea was, hey, if we're going to be environmentally responsible, we should stop flying and we should start taking the train. Well, this got me to thinking. Now, next month, um, my wife and I, we're, we're going on vacation. We're going to Florida. We go to Florida, you know, and every every uh, February for for a week or so. And we're flying from Milwaukee to Fort Myers, and then we're going to spend a couple days in that area, and then we're going to go take a ferry over to Key West and then come back from Key West. But I, w- I was kind of intrigued. Our flight to Fort Myers, one way, takes about – 2 hours. Um eh, maybe 3 hours. Sorry, 3 hours. Leave 6:40 in the morning, gets in 10:40 and you 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 lose an hour. So it's about it's a 3 hour flight. The flight each for each of us it's somewhere between like 200 to 250 bucks I think. So I mean that that's the price. So I was just kind of curious and it gets us in in 3 hours. So I was kind of curious what if I want to prove that I love the planet? What if instead of flying to Fort Myers, I decided to take the train? Well, spent a little time researching that this morning. Now, to take the train from Milwaukee to Fort Myers, first of all, you take the train from Milwaukee to Chicago. Then you change trains. Then you go get on a train in Chicago, and you go to to D.C., you go to Washington. Then you change trains in Washington, and you get on another train, and you go from Washington to Tampa on a train. Then you get off the train in Tampa, and they don't have train service between Fort Myers and Tampa, so what you do is you get on a bus, and the bus takes you to Fort Myers. So to get to Fort Myers, it's Milwaukee to Chicago, Chicago to D.C., D.C. to Tampa, and then a bus to Fort Myers. The plane takes three hours. Grew, would you like to guess how many hours this train trip from Milwaukee to Fort Myers would take?
2: Mm, it's got to be inconvenient. So let's say
1: 15. 52. Oh. 52 hours. Yes, it's, it's two days. It's uh, more than two days. That's more than 15. It's more than 15. 52 hours. To get there, I mean all the different trains, and that that does include, I, I think, the downtime of waiting from one train to another. But you, you get the idea: fifty-two hours. It's over two days to get there. All right. So the the cost, like I say, that our our plane tickets, one way, somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 250 bucks. Of uh, the best price I could find on on Amtrak, was. About $220. But you could easily – it and that that's not a sleeping car or anything. That's just – okay, you, you've got that. So the, the plane, it's comparable. It's about the same. You know, there were some tickets that were more expensive. There were some that's less. But it's, it's about the same. The big difference is it's 52 hours versus three hours. Our number, 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Right, I, I ask this question seriously because th- this is one of the things that the environmentalists are starting to target. They're saying, hey, look, we got to clo- control global emissions. And I'm, I'm, I get it. I, I understand that. I'm not a denier of, of you know, climate change. I'm, I'm not. But my my question is always okay. What are people supposed to do? So let's talk about this on on that micro level, right? If if somebody has time to go on a vacation, you know, are you going to spend two days on a train, or are you going to spend three hours on a plane for essentially the same cost? Understanding that your global footprint, the carbon footprint, is going to be less if you end up taking the train. I, I just i don 't see anybody doing that. am I missing something eight five five six one six one six twenty that 's the accurate mortgage talk and text line and I understand there might be a time for example, when you want to take a train trip where you say, Hey, going across the country, that would be a blast. I would love to see the country and you know i 'd love to i 'd love to spend a couple days in washington d c and this seems perfect and i, I there 's the romance of train travel. I understand that maybe a train vacation might be fun, but as a practical matter, is anybody going to give up flying to take trains when, again, you're talking about three hours versus two days? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't see this train boosting. train boasting. I don't see this taking off in any sort of big way we discuss in just a moment if you're on the line hold on
0: welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ
1: a couple of people are texting wondering how long it would take to take a bus um, well you could drive to to take the train is 52 hours you could drive from Milwaukee to Fort Myers in, in about 21 or 22 hours I mean it, it's a um, Twelve hundred miles, something like that. But, but I mean, it's it's dramatically longer to take the train. I guess that that's that that's my point. I, I think you know it's one thing to say we love the planet and and we we all love the planet. But like on a micro level, when you hear people say, "Okay, well, we want you to stop eating beef because uh, it's you know it it's harming the, it's global emissions," or we want people to stop flying on planes. Well, okay, that that's wonderful. But let's talk about what that really means. Are you you know, you got a week of vacation? Are you willing to spend two days? on a train getting there, or are you willing to spend three hours on a plane getting there? Derek in Milwaukee. Derek, you're on WTMJ. Hey, hello. Hi, How Derek. How are you? I'm well, thank you.
6: <laughs> well, I was just saying, um, I, I think that if you have the time to uh, spend on a train, do it, because it's beautiful. Um, but if you want to get to your destination quickly, uh, you have to get there. You, I mean, if, you're, if you have to meet up with people that are... Um, not going to see you right away you're going to spend a lot of money with uh hotels and yeah. maybe rental cars at that point too but wh- how i look at it is um if you've got the time do it um i would say get a sleeper car actually and right. spend 200 bucks more because then you get all your meals paid sure. but at the same time um amtrak's always had a monopoly and we never put it in our high speed rails yeah. in this country. And we, we probably can't do it now. Nowadays, with, um,
1: yeah.
6: um, I mean with private land, private, I mean, we'd have to go over a lot of things now we should have done that like maybe 50 years ago. Right. So I don't think high speed rail is the way.
1: Well, I mean, um, I don't mean I, to I, right, that at the time. Right. No, thanks for got No, see, and I guess that that's just kind of my, my point. I, it, we, we have all these kind of pie in the sky out in, in my opening. You know, that we use to start off our program. He says, I live in this real world. And I've been, I've been seeing this phenomenon. Oh, we, we've got too many people that are flying around. You know, that's one of the things you always use to mock some of these celebrities. They talk about, oh, we, we have to climate change and then they're flying in their private jets. Well, there, there is a degree of truth to that. I mean, there, there is a degree of truth to that. If you care about f- carbon footprints, you know, it you would think that, okay, maybe it has to start at home. But the truth of the matter is, for everybody who says, okay, be, become a vegan because, you know, you're going to help save the planet, my, my response is, okay, give me a break. All right, is a give me practical solutions. Practical solutions to the problems aren't, hey, turn your thermostat down to 52. Or, all right, stop flying on airplanes. Take the train instead. It will help lower the carbon footprint. Yeah, it will. But it's 52 hours versus three hours for essentially the same price. Jeff, I love trains and heavy traveled and heavily traveled them. When I have the time to do so, because I don't love flying. However, this is silly to suggest. By the way, also, one person changing from a plane to a train does not reduce that plane's carbon footprint, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, I understand exactly what you're saying, because that plane is going to leave probably full whether I'm on it or not. In other words, if I haven't picked up that flight, somebody else is going to. That's, you know, one of the things that we're seeing. And don't take this topic as being, you know, an anti-train rant. It's not. It's just these ideas that are being thrown around are just not practical Jeff I take the plane anytime Uh, plus don't the environmentalists realize that trains burn dirty diesel fuel and spout all sorts of soot along their routes well again they have that carbon footprint as well but it's less than the airplanes and things like that but I tell you I'm not going to be guilted into not flying you know on on airplanes and I don't think most of us are going to be guilted into that and I'm not going to be guilted into you know giving up um my 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 f- meat it's just if you want to talk about things that we can do, and you want to talk about, gee, look at what's going on in India or look at what's going on in China. Okay, I'm, I'm open to those sorts of things, but let's also understand that when they're trying to make people feel guilty about getting on an airplane and something, let's let's look at the alternatives. Yeah, here, somebody confirms this, Jeff. I go down to Fort Myers every November for a month. It takes like 21 hours. Yeah, so that's um, that's it. No question about it. All right, when we come back. How about a free 500 bucks? And that thing you're wearing around your neck, well, maybe we can get rid of it. I'll explain. Stick around.
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is The Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's
1: Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back. Now, Melissa, before you, you leave, you, we have card keys around here. In order to get into the parking lots. It's a gated parking lot, mm-hmm. and you have to you have to take your card key, and you have to put it in front of the green light, and the door opens up. The, hopefully, the gate opens up, and then in order <laughs> to get into the building, right. you need to use the same card key, and you you put it up, and the the door will unlock, and you can open it up. And in order to get into the studios, so just because you're in in the building doesn't mean you can get into studios. You need Correct. to have your card key and, and put that up there. Mm-hmm. Now, I wear my card key around my neck some people have them like attached to their belts and stuff i i just i wear it on on my neck is that around is that what that's, you do
2: yep that's what i
7: do okay right you here. got that there yep.
1: all right now if you look at my card key yeah, yeah i have the distinction i think this is the oldest remaining card key of anybody in the building this i i have had this card key i mean it, it says Journal Broadcast Group. Well, we haven't been Journal Broadcast Group forever because, right. because we we were, you know, now we're Good Karma and then before that we were Scripts and then we were Journal Communications. This this card key goes back to at least 2003. Mm-hmm. I, and it probably actually before that. I I just I remember because I remember the day that we were having these – they were issuing these, and there was a big line that we were standing in to get them, and there was a woman named Contessa Brewer who used to be like a reporter on Channel 4 who went on to do other stuff, and she was standing behind me making like all sorts of snide remarks about talk radio. That's what, and so I, I always remember yeah. that. She left in 2003, so she was here when I got this, so I, I – I, I've I've had this key, and I and I've, it
2: looks like you've had that key for a long time. The photo on it is barely the, detectable. The photo is barely
1: detectable, but but it but yeah. it has worked. Mm-hmm. And I I'm pretty sure that everybody on the TV side, you know, they're now owned by whoever they're 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 owned by yeah. uh, by Scripps. I'm pretty sure they all have new things, and everybody around here, all the new employees, I think they have new. So I'm willing to bet that this is the oldest, but it works you know it, and it, that's it, all that
2: really matters absolutely
1: it, it works every time i'm like gone for a few days or on vacation I, I pull up i'm wondering huh is this going to be the day the card key's not going to work i can't believe you think that no well I, <laughs>
2: yeah it's a joke it's but. a joke right so now. it's funny that you say that because i never were i wasn't here when journal owned wtmj but my key card still says journal broadcast
1: group oh yours says journal, mine broadcast says journal. yeah it has a photo
2: of me it's it's broke almost broken at the top but i've had to, had to tape it so <laughs> okay. i don't know
1: okay. well I, I, mine has managed to survive. I know, and, and, and Actually, I, I have this own, I, I have my own formula. I keep it in the car. What happens is mm-hmm. as soon as I leave the building, when I get in the car to go home, I take it off That's and what I put I it do. in the tray. Because otherwise I I'll will forget. forget it. it. Yeah, yep. I, And I'll, then I'll be in trouble. But anyhow, I, I bring this up because I don't find this to be too much of of a nuisance, and actually, I'm kind of attached to this particular card key. I, I keep waiting for the come days. Come days, say, okay, Jeff, it's time to it, do it. And right, and if if we ever relocate from this building mm-hmm. to somewhere else, eh, Old, old Faithful is going to have to be retired. I bring this up because there's a story in the Wall Street Journal, and this dovetails on something we talked about a year or two ago. Um that the headline is the humble office ID badge is about to be unrecognizable, and the the, the problem with our badges from a security perspective is even though they have our pictures on them I could give you my card sure. to you. And, and you could, you could use it to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there's, there's nothing that, that identifies, unless somebody were to stop me and look at the picture, the kind of like faded out picture on the card key, there, there's nothing that ties me to this per se. You know, it, it's anybody can use anybody's. Correct. So the new technology, and I know there's a couple companies in Wisconsin that requiring employees to do this, is, to now implant microchips in people's oh, hands. Well, no. that, I mean, well, okay, well here's the idea. I mean, it, the way this works is it, it's a microchip and what they do is about the size of a grain of rice. So really teeny tiny. They implant it in your hand in that little web between your thumb and your forefinger. So they, they implant it. It's personalized. You, they say you can't feel it. But it's scanned over a chip reader. So what would happen is, instead of having to put on the card key and then pull it out and put it up for the gate or whatever, Mm -hmm. all you do is you wave your hand in front of the gate.
2: I don't like that idea at all.
1: You wave your hand in front of the door to get in. Okay, you don't have to worry about having the necklace. You don't have to worry about losing the card key. And... It's it's personalized. I mean, you you can't transfer it. So from the employer's perspective, you know, we know that Melissa Barkley or Jeff Wagner is not going to give somebody else their card key.
2: How about my fingerprint? I'm on down with that. Just a fingerprint to get in a door. Okay, I would be well, OK with that. All right, so Just y- having something implanted into you. They say you is- don't feel it. They say well, you, you, I would you, know it's there.
1: You don't feel it. Plus, you can do all sorts of other things because it's personalized. If, for example, you worked at a place that had a cafeteria, know we we don't, but you could you could charge that. You wouldn't have to use you wouldn't have to use money or credit cards or anything. You could have your account, and all you have to do is kind of like wave your hand, and it automatically debits your account for the five bucks for lunch or whatever. You're nodding. Okay, mm. <laughs> all right. Th- this this though. Is the wave of the future? Our number is eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text line. More companies, more businesses are moving in this direction. The you know Old Faithful, the card key that I've had around my neck for Lord knows how long. It, companies aren't going to use it. So my question is, all right? Would you? object if 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 the employer were to say look this is this is what we need to do for security we're not going to do this anymore that's 20th century technology with the card keys and stuff it's you we're going to take a grain of it's it's a like the size of a of a grain of rice you're not going to feel it we're just going to stick it you know in your hand and that's what you're going to have to do all right would you do something like that if your employer said you've got to Our number, 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If your employer said, look, this is what we're going to do, it's just, you know, in some respects, you know, years and years ago, if you say, Jeff, this couldn't happen, well, I mean, years and years ago, actually not that many years ago, employers either didn't have, for example, direct deposit, or if they had direct deposit, it was optional. Now, I've, the last couple, well, I mean, working here, direct deposit isn't optional. You know, they, they don't walk around and give you a paycheck. You know, when I first started here 20-some years ago, you, you could have that option. Nowadays, you don't. You have to have a bank account, and what happens is there's, it's, it's all digitalized, you know, twice a month, Boom! The money goes into your bank account, and, and yes, you can go online and you can get a representation of of your account, and you can see the the quote unquote pay stub. But the days of the personnel person or the program director or whatever walking, you know, around putting your paycheck in your mailbox or coming up to your desk and doing it that that's gone. You, you don't have that option anymore. You have to have a bank account. And there's a lot of businesses that operate like this. So if you say to me, Oh, Jeff, there's no way that employers are ever going to mandate that you have one of these chips. Well, I, 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 I just, I think this is the wave of the future. Is that going to bother you? Would you have a problem with it? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. You know, initially when I heard about this, I admit I, I thought it was kind of creepy and kind of big brother-ish. But at, at the end of the day, I don't know. I don't know that I think it's any more, it's certainly more convenient than having to remember where you've put this and assuming that it is painless and assuming that there's no long lasting consequences, you chip pets. I mean, my my little dog, I mean, she, she's she got a chip, uh, you know, she was microchipped when we first took her to the vet. So I, I know that. All right. 855-616-1620. If your employer required you to do this, would this be an issue we discuss in just a moment if you're on the line please hold on back to
0: take your calls here's wtmj's jeff wagner
1: 855-616-1620 that's the acunet mortgage talk and text line let's start with mark in kenosha hi mark hey thanks for having me jeff sure okay what do you think is this the wave of the future having everybody chipped (laughs) it's like like you chip a pet
5: Well, I've been a locksmith and security professional for the last eight years installing card access systems and similar. And while they are great for a niche market, there's a few drawbacks as well. Uh, We know there are so many data breaches nowadays. Everybody's information is out there. And once a chip's inserted into you, it's there. Uh, And the other problem is uh, there are a lot of uh, problems out there with people using readers, portable readers, that's why they're always selling these uh, wallets that are metal that hide your credit card, because they do the same thing with cards. If someone has a portable reader, they can go up and shake your hand and read that chip and copy all the information, and now they've stolen your, your chip identity, and now they can use that to gain access. So, in, in some niche markets, sure, it could be great, but there is just as many drawbacks to that technology as
1: there are bonuses. Let me ask you this, Mark, because I am genuinely curious. If let let's say I am one of the employees that has that chip, and I decide that I am going to move some, I am going to work somewhere else. Do they take the chip out, or they, do they just deactivate it? And you and you still have that little grain of rice in your hand moving forward.
5: I bet you they would probably leave it in there, and all they would do is they'd remove your information from your right. from their systems so that you're no longer authorized. Right. Exactly. But you would still have that chip in you, and you might even be able to use that same chip on the next system that you get hired on from the next company.
1: <laughs> <laughs> my, my my mind is reeling backwards. Thanks for the call, Don and Walwatosa. Don, you're on WTMJ.
7: Yeah. Hey, Jeff. Hi, oh. Don. I think it might be too much of a leap in technology because, I mean, what does everybody have on them right now, Jeff? Every day, every waking
1: moment. Cell phone?
7: Exactly. So, you know, if they were to just step back a little bit from implanting a chip and maybe because to get into your cell phone, you either have to know your six-digit code or your thumbprint. So it's very personal to the person. And if that phone gets lost, easy enough to deactivate or shut it down. And you just got to look at this with a little skepticism because, all right, all this.
1: Oh, I look DNA at it with a lot of skepticism. <laughs>
7: years, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, these people who want to find out their ancestry, please don't call me a conspiracy theorist. But it's only a matter of time before that you know that DNA uh, data gets breached, and uh, you know pharmaceuticals or, or insurance companies look at your genetic history well, and but, ancestry well, and say, yeah, no.
1: Well, okay, but let's 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 okay. Let us assume that the the chip really has the same information that is on my, my card key it's not it's not it's not it's not doesn't have a social security number or whatever it's just that this is the whatever the code is that's assigned to me to get in i mean i don't think it this doesn't just because you have this card key doesn't give somebody mm-hmm. access to you know all my my personal records or anything like that right, right so i i guess right, if right. that if that's the case why why is the chip worse than the card key
7: It's not really. I mean, it's just a matter of semantics here. People are probably just opposed to having a foreign object put in their body. Now, uh, Jeff, what about, you know, what about some of these, you know, discoveries of uh, breast implants, other implants that are causing, you know, Tumorous yeah. growths and things like that. You know, I, I don't know all the, the the medical stuff behind that, but I see these in the headlines, and so I would be I would be opposed to having a foreign object put into my body yeah. unnecessarily, like no, that. Right, right now, it is kind of unnecessary.
1: Yeah, no, thanks. For, you know, it, it is. I, I mean, I bring this up because. I really firmly believe that this is going to be the wave of the future, and it does, it does to me raise these issues about, you know, the whole idea of privacy. Intellectually, I I understand that it's probably not, it it is a practical matter, it's really not any more, it's really not different from a practical effect than, than wearing the thing, but it is, it is inserting something into your body as a condition of employment here 's an interesting text, and we 're getting fascinating texts on this. Ocular readers can cause seizures. hand geometry readers and fingerprint readers are not one hundred percent reliable. You see that would on the fingerprint thing that 's part of my concern because if if anybody has for example a, a, either a phone or a laptop that 's got the the fingerprint reader. Sometimes, because stuff gets smudged or whatever, sometimes those just don't work. I'm not saying that the the technology is bad. It's just there's a problem there. Anyways, the texture continues. Chip readers are 100%. They're easy to install. They're painless. I would have no qualms going down this road. Um, interesting. Now, the flip side is it's an invasion of privacy. I'm concerned it could lead to them monitoring my blood pressure or possibly other biological aspects. I love my job, but I would start applying for jobs again if they started this as a replacement. Yeah, th- that's I mean. See, that's where this leads. I mean, right now in our conversation, the, the chip that they put in, it's just something that you wave it and it identifies you and it gets you the pass to get into the doors. But, but yeah, that is clearly the next step. It's the whole biometrics thing. You know, you, you implant this and it measures the number of steps you take and you could probably do something that measures your blood pressure and all those type of things. And then should the company have the right to monitor it? I bring this up because I understand that this sounds like, uh, again, that this is all sort of pie in the sky and it's brave new world and all those sort of things but for people who dismiss it just remember not that long ago you know you didn't have to you you got you got your physical paychecks now all automated you know it's all you know direct deposit at least at many many companies don't be surprised if you see this in more and more places this is Jeff Wagner